right, I'm back in the garden today with Emily. So we're going to have a, a little chat about the stressors, the concerns of a 20-something-year-old. And I thought it would actually be really helpful to bring a different perspective, a younger perspective, and to get an insight into what the younger generation is uh, maybe struggling with or how you view mental health and physical health and wellness at this age. So why don't you share your story a little bit about college and like you're taking a break right now. And I think a lot of young people are actually reconsidering for your college. I think a lot of young people having gone through COVID are experiencing just some, a different way they view the world it used to be, here's the way you find success and this is how it's done. And now I think because of the pandemic in some regards, um, there has been this whole shakeup of what is possible for a young person now. And explain a little bit about your story, starting school, you had an academic scholarship, nice, big, fat, prestigious school, downtown Chicago, right? And you started that and then you kind of pivoted. So talk a little bit about your journey and how it might relate to other people your age who um, maybe you can help relate and, and gain insight into what people your age right now are struggling with. Mm -hmm. So I do have kind of a unique perspective because from high school, I was hugely academically charged. Um, I was very academically driven. It was basically the entire thing. And my um, hobbies and other interests definitely took a side. You know, I was very focused academically. And so in high school, I could do well without trying. And then I got to college and I chose biology because it makes sense. Um, that'll get me a good job. Um, I liked my eighth grade science teacher and I liked my anatomy class in high school. Um, and I got to college and I had to try really hard and still didn't do well. And that was such a slap in the face. It was such a change. And I know that is a very, very common experience, especially with people who excelled in high school. Um, and I think one of the major things that I struggled with and that I think is a really common thing, especially going into college and especially going to college in the COVID environment is self-regulation. Um, because a lot of my classes, especially first semester, were online. And so the style of learning was completely different. And the method of success was also different. And so I think this was a common experience for a lot of people. The first year of college, you didn't really learn how to study for college because it was such a different environment. Mm -hmm. And freshman year, I think, is one of those times where it's really important to build those study habits and build upon the study habits. And I had good ones and I did well my freshman year. Um, and, you know, I was taking summer classes. I was overall doing well. Um, and then sophomore year, when everything went back to 
fully online or fully in person. And again, I think this is a very common experience. Um, you were thrown into the sophomore level of expectation without having first gained the freshman experience and the freshman adaptation to a new learning style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this, I mean, just speaking to my peers, this was a very um, common experience. And so it became a whole lot more difficult for people to adjust. Um, and then my personal experience with being a STEM major, I put a whole lot into it. I really did, um, you know, I studied, I went and I did the same things that I did in high school to excel. But I sort of had the realization that I was more motivated by a fear of failure than I was a desire to learn. And I think that realization was one of the most significant things for me because I wasn't in a classroom environment where I enjoyed learning. I was in a classroom environment where I had to study and I had to do these things or I would fail. And fear of failure is something that I've always struggled with. Mm -hmm. And when you're met with such constant failure, it's a real beatdown, especially when you are studying and putting everything into it and still not being able to succeed the same way that I did in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I think that was a very common experience. But the thing that really did it for me was that realization that I was not enjoying learning. It wasn't striking anything in me. Like in high school, I loved my anatomy class. I loved learning. I had a great relationship with the professor. Um, And I liked the medical side of things because it was made interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But then the hard sciences, like the organic chemistry, the cell biology, it wasn't something that I was really as interested in. Um, There were some classes that I still really enjoyed and some professors that I still really loved. But it wasn't really the science classes anymore. Um, I had an ecology class and professor that I loved, but I think one of the things that I didn't recognize going into these hard sciences is that they're, especially organic chemistry, is basically math. Um, And I don't like math, and I'm not (laughs) good at math. So the hard sciences, I think high school me was looking to succeed as a biology major. And when I moved out, when I lived alone, when I had to self-regulate and I had um, time to really pursue the things that brought me joy, it was not being a biology major. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm on a break from school and I'm part of a portfolio program for an online art institute. And I'm finally giving myself the opportunity to really do something that I enjoy. And one of the things that's been really significant for me is, you know, I'll still be doing late nights. I'll still have like long days. I have eye strain. Um, It's really exhausting, but I don't want to stop. You know, when I would get back from a six hour study session for organic chemistry, it's like, oh, this is terrible. I don't feel like I learned anything. I don't feel like I absorbed anything. I did not enjoy that. I sit down for a six hour painting session and it's exhausting. I've got eye strain. It takes a ton of concentration, but I want to sit down and do it again tomorrow. Right. Um, and 
I think it's been really significant for me to have that realization. Um, and I think a lot of it also does have to do with COVID because I think if I wasn't put in the environment where I had to go full steam ahead in sciences and um, recognize that I didn't like it because of that specific environment, I might still be a biology major. And I think that I am in such a better place mentally than I was this time last year because I'm not under constant academic stress. I don't have to I'm fulfilling my own standards and I have high standards for myself. Um, but I'm back in a position where I can succeed and I feel good about succeeding. Um, and I also live alone, which I really love. Um, and it's really, again, helped me focus a lot on finding myself. And so the gap year or the break from school, wherever anyone is in school, I think taking time off, if it makes sense for that person, is really, really beneficial. Um, some people, I have a friend who went crazy through Loyola and now she's in the process of applying for med school. And the academic environment was perfect for her and it was something that she was able to thrive in and obviously still very stressed but um she had the goal that she was either going to go to pa school or medical school and i didn't really know what i wanted to do um and so i've really been given the opportunity to take a step back and figure out what i want to do and that was a really really difficult choice for me because especially being very academically driven it's hard to recognize that it's okay to step back and it's okay to give yourself time to figure it out and it's okay to take a gap year because um, that wasn't something that I even allowed myself to consider before you brought it up to me <laughs> um, and thank you for that it was just okay it's hard keep going you're crying bummer right you're pulling all-nighters I actually I had two water bottles in my backpack. One was full of water. The other was full of an energy drink. Mm. Um, and that wasn't healthy. And no. I think I recognized that that was not worth sacrificing my mental health. So hearing all of that, how was your mental health impacted by going through the last years of high school and the beginning of college with COVID and also coming to the juncture where you realized I'm two years into college and I really am not interested in this path that I thought would make me happy. And now I need to pivot. Like talk a, a little bit about how you made the decision that your mental health was more important than maybe just pushing on or doing things for the sake of doing them or doing things for the sake of pleasing other people. How was it to find your own way at such a young age? And how, how would you encourage other people 
in your same age group? It was very difficult. And I think one of the big things for me was why I was doing the things that I was doing. Um, in terms of education, like I said, I was motivated by a fear of failure. Um, and I think, again, recognizing that was one of the most significant things for me. And I think even asking that question to anybody, are you motivated by a fear of failure or a desire to learn, I think is really, really reflective. Um, because if your answer is you're only motivated by a fear of failure and you don't really enjoy and are involved in the path that you're on, maybe it's okay to re-examine that path. Mm -hmm. And taking a step back and re-examining your path doesn't mean that you have to choose a different path. It's just a way to give you clarity. And maybe it's clarity on the path you're already on. Or maybe it's a different direction. Um, so I think intuition is really important. And also recognizing recognizing that your mental health should not come or rather your success in school should not come at the expense of your mental health and that was something that took me two years to realize yeah um i think that i have made a lot of progress over the past um couple months with just myself i think my mental health is probably the best it's ever been um and I definitely do need to make more of an effort to practice mindfulness, but I think at the same time, creating art in itself is a mindful activity. Mm -hmm. And so I think I do practice mindfulness um, every day and I practice gratitude and I recognize how incredibly lucky I am to even be able to take time to pursue something that I care about, um, which is an opportunity that very few people actually have, especially at this age. Um, and so I think that I have had to reframe um, how I view success um, because before a lot of my success was based on academics. Success was based on how well I did on a test or how well I did on a paper or how much my teachers liked me. Um, and now success is more my personal progress and success is more allowing myself to be okay with not existing in the world of academia in the same way that I was. Um, Cause like I said, that's a really difficult transition to make when you've been fully involved in the academic world and then having to take a step back from it. And I also want to reiterate, I still don't know if this is the right path. I don't know, but I'm in the process of figuring it out. And awesome. I'm proud of myself for taking the steps to try to figure it out. Well, I'm super proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay. I've got a great support system. Right? Total great support system. So this is kind of sideways, but I also have been thinking a lot about this because um, you and your siblings uh, have all done well 
like academically and how uh, in, in my approach to, to your schooling, obviously, uh, you know this, but you know, I homeschooled you for a decade or so and our structure was very loose. It was more of an unschooling where I, it was very child led and passion led and you exhibited uh, at an early age, this propensity for art. Mm. And, um, you know, so I made an effort to get you into art classes and things like that. And not so much with the other kids because they didn't have the skill or talent. (laughs) Their skills lie in other areas. Um, But how much did homeschooling help you, prepare you, um, influence you into being able to really be able to move toward the things that move you and that inspire you rather than the shoulds and the have tos and the linear path that so many, I think young people feel that they have to stay on in order to be successful. I think homeschooling was absolutely essential to who I am today. Um, I mean, you were the one who, like you said, allowed me to take these art classes and put a paintbrush in my hand and let me grow these passions from when I was itty bitty. Um, and I think that if I wasn't given those resources, I would not have one been able to build the skill that I currently have. Cause I think I'm okay at painting. Um, Very okay. and recognizing Um, I think one of the things that I always say about homeschooling is it you allowed us to organically create a passion for learning Mm. because we didn't have to learn. We wanted to learn and we got to choose what we learned about. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously we still learned all the essentials. We did our math, we did our spelling, but I got a lot of experiences that I don't think any other kids did. And I think a lot of these experiences were hugely beneficial for making me into the person I am. I think not having to be in a scholastic environment from a very young age has helped me become much more independent, has helped me become much more sure of myself because I was existing and learning for myself, not for a grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And growing up with that environment, I think it made a huge difference for me. Um, I do not think I would be even close to the same person that I am today if I was not homeschooled. I'm hugely thankful for it. I think it was a really, really significant part of um, helping me become the person I am. And I think a lot of those ideals that were first recognized um, in our homeschool household are some that have continued to carry on and continued to form and develop and still help me pursue the things that I want to pursue and be independent and be my own person Mm -hmm. and I can just independence. I think yeah. that you raised me and all of us to live independently. You raised us to be our own people. And 
I don't think the school environment does that as much. I think it trains you to be in school. Yeah. Well, I had to be the rebel. I had to be... <laughs> I had to choose differently. I had to choose a different path of success. Everyone's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have no idea, but it feels right. Mm -hmm. I have no idea, but it feels honoring to me and to these little babies. And it feels what's more natural to organic learning. So thank you for trusting me. <laughs> and I think even today it's so clear um, because you're even a great example of separating yourself from an environment where you weren't happy, where you weren't fulfilled. And now you're doing your own thing and it's absolutely incredible. You know, you've built your own business. You've expanded your reach to help so many different people. And I think that that's something that would not have been possible if you had stuck with your standard office career path. Um, I think you being able to recognize that your passion might lead you in different places has helped me come to that same realization. Mm. Um, and you creating the life that you are creating has again been really significant because you're a little bit older than I am, but, um, you're doing it even now and that's, I think, also been really comforting for me because it's recognizing that it's never too late to pursue your passions and to follow your true calling and never too late. fulfill yourself before you fulfill others. And you are fulfilling others, but you're also fulfilling yourself. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome, Mom. So is there anything that you want to ask me that um, might be applicable or could help other people? So this is the age when a lot of friends come and go. What is some of the most important elements of a friendship <laughs> or a platonic relationship that are important to identify and that you think will prevail? It's funny. I think my age is a time where friends come and go too. This is one of the hardest lessons I've ever actually had to learn. And friends do come and go. And as you grow and mature and as you become more comfortable with who you are, and as you, especially if you, if you've done healing work where you have, um, done the process of really kind of looking at your life and your introspective and reflective, and you've done the work of healing, then it's not often that you do change friends. So friends group, friend groups will come and go. And that actually is quite common throughout your life. They say that the five people you spend most of your time with has the biggest influence on your life. So I would always keep that in the back of your head. Like, are these the people that you want influencing your life? Um, are these the people that are going in the same direction that you were going in your life? And you really want to surround yourself with people that are really the highest version of you. So if you have in your mind's eye this version of who you want to become because as a young adult you're it well at any age but especially at this age you're really moving toward growth you're moving toward figuring out life you're moving toward who am i what do i want to do what's going to make me happy 
big things happen at this point in life. Sometimes people get married, they have a baby, they buy a house, they change jobs, like some of the bigger stressors. So having people that are in your life as friends that have the same values, that have the same um, ideals, that have the same outlook on life, and often just having the same interests, like being able to say, hey, let's go for a bike ride, or and having someone that can go do that with you. But it's really deeper than that. It's really, are these people on the same trajectory and walking into the best version of themselves? And you probably don't think of that at maybe 20 something, maybe you do, but I feel like we're always evolving and cultivating our highest self. And as we level up and as we learn more and we change and grow, our friends will change and grow with us. Some are in it for the long haul and that's awesome. And then there are some who play a smaller part and they're a part of our lives for a certain chunk of time. And then for whatever reason, they have served their purpose in our life. And now it's time for us to move to another level of friends. So um, yes, friends come and go at your age, but trust me, they come and go at my age too. So that's just part of life. Well, that's something to look forward to. Right? <laughs> Which is more important, motivation or discipline? I'm going to say discipline because motivation will come after discipline because in order to elicit change, let's say you're motivated to lose 10 pounds. That's awesome. It's great to have the motivation. However, if you don't have the discipline to move your body, to eat nutritious foods, to safeguard your sleep, to take whatever vitamins and minerals supplements you need to take, then you're not going to get the results that you want and then you lose motivation. So it's, it's great to have motivation and say, yay, I have this big goal that I want to achieve. That's awesome. But discipline comes first. Discipline gives you the structure that you need in order to complete the task. When you complete the task, when you start to have success, then you start to lose weight. You start to meet those goals. You start to feel good about yourself. Then you actually get more motivated because you see your success. So when you see your success, when you see that your discipline is starting to pay off, it actually increases your motivation. So motivation is awesome. That's often where people start. I want fill in the blank. I have a desire to fill in the blank. However, the next step is discipline. And then once you, once you start actually doing the things, then you will have more motivation. So motivation can sometimes be an impetus to get us started, but it's discipline that's going to get us to the start line, run the race and get to the other side. What do you think is the most significant lifestyle change that is important for young people to make? Wow. Okay. Young person. So I'm going to assume this is a young person that's in college. 
or high school. So a young person is, is like a baby deer, like walking on their new legs, right? So they're trying to figure out life and creating habits that are going to be sustainable and help you move forward in life are going to be probably the biggest things that you can do as a young adult to move yourself forward. When you are trying to move ahead in life, you have to create habits. Having healthy habits gives you a foundation so those legs don't seem so wobbly. And having consistent, stable habits helps you move forward with confidence that gives you like a framework for your life. One of the things that you had asked me that we spent some time talking about in the kitchen this week was you have been struggling with creating that um, environment of creating habits that are sustainable. And you expressed to me and many, many people struggle with this where you get really excited about change and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to eat really good. I'm going to do these things. And then you do it for a day or two or a week or two, and then boop, back into old habits. So we came up with a strategy to kind of help like create like this exoskeleton or this schedule that could help you. And a lot of people struggle with the size of the bite. I'm going to just eat the whole whale in one sitting. I'm going to change my life in one big gulp. And it doesn't work that way. And we talked about having small goals, having small things that you do that you can be um, successful with. And then that creates that momentum. So speak to your specific challenges um, in regards to creating an environment that's going to help you provide the structure so that you can keep moving forward on your goal. So maintaining habits, um, good habits has been kind of a challenge, but one of the ways that I've found, um, has been helpful is like you said, making them more bite-sized. So, um, like if one of my goals that I want to achieve is reading more, I keep a book next to my bed and I make a decision to read a page every night or I like just one page. I usually end up reading more than that, but the minimum is just one page and just doing just a little bit that will progressively move towards bigger goals. Because when I think, okay, I'm going to work out every single day, that's really difficult to maintain. Um, but starting like, okay, I'm going to stretch every day and I'm going to work out one day a week. And I'm going to work out two days a week and three days a week. And progressively building those habits has been a lot more effective than trying to go full force into them. Um, if you had to pick one habit to recommend to my age group, what habit would that be? Okay. Great question. Age group is how old? Early 20s. Early 20s. So an early 20 year old is really still figuring out life. And often this is a young adult who may or may not be living on their own, may or may not still be in college, uh, might be starting their professional life. Um, so there's a lot of vari variability in this age group. 
this age group, I think, especially since COVID has really been struggling with their ability to understand and navigate a changing world. So this particular age group has had to pivot more so than any young adult age group in history, in my opinion. So I think one of the biggest things is, um, again, creating habits that are going to help you be successful and understanding the flexibility that comes with change. Because of the environment in which this age group has had to navigate some portion of high school potentially and some portion of college or just starting their adult life, it's really been about adjusting and change and learning how to pivot. So I think the biggest, like one thing I would tell a young person right now would be to trust their intuition, to trust that pivoting is okay, flexibility is healthy, and to not be scared with a changing and evolving world. There is so much uncertainty around this age and around the age of the early 20s. How do you know you're going down the right path? You don't. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. Any hints? (laughs) I don't know that I'm going down the right path. How old am I? I'm in my 50s. So I don't know that. One of the things that I think a lot of, uh, especially younger people, may not have um, a good understanding of is trusting their intuition. And I think some part of that occurs with a little bit of age. So intuition is your best guide. Intuition is your inner knowing. Intuition is, um, you know, that creepy little um, like hair standing on the back of your neck feeling like when something's about to go down and you need to run. That's like your spidey sense that something's up. Sometimes, I mean, that can be intuition when you are really getting a gut feeling or a sense that something is either really wrong or counter to that really right. So listening to your intuition, trusting your intuition, knowing how to cultivate and enrich your intuition gives you your internal compass. So that is often the best guide for trying to figure out if you're on the right path in life. How did you know that the life that you were um, living, whether it was in your career or in whatever else, wasn't as fulfilling to you as another path could have been? What was the thing that spurred you to move on yourself and to um, really expand your own passions and use that to help others? What was the determining factor for you? That's a great question. And there's been a few different curves in the road, right? There's been a few bends that uh, side roads that my life has taken and I think the first, the first one, which is a difficult 
topic to discuss, but I think it's an important one, which was my divorce. And part of that was, um, like you mentioned earlier about the expectations, like you, you just get on this path. It's almost like a conveyor belt. Like you get on the conveyor belt of life and it, you just, it just goes, it takes you and you're like, okay, you're this age. Now you go to college. Okay. Now you're this age. Now you get married. Okay. Now you're this age. You have a baby. Okay. Now you're this age. You have another baby. Okay. Now you have another baby. Right. <laughs> and you just, you, you ride this conveyor belt of life. And it felt like I was not in control of my own mm. life in one regard. I felt like society's questions of, oh, when are you getting married? Oh, when are you having a baby? Oh, when are you buying a house? Oh, what's your... It's like all these external pressures felt like were more important than my own internal compass. But I was too young and too naive. And, and actually, I had too much to unpack from my own um, just growing up as an adult and having the expectations, not wanting to disappoint anybody mm -hmm. and feeling like I had to live the life that my parents thought I should live. And, um, it really wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that I actually had this sort of awakening where I started to feel like my life was falling apart. Like mm. it was unraveling. I was just unhappy. I was irritable all the time. And I had all the, I had all the pretty pictures that said I had a beautiful, happy, successful life, but I didn't feel that. I felt empty. I felt hollow. I felt something was missing. And I just felt like I was living life for other people. And I then started realizing I was tolerating, you know, mistreatment. I was tolerating, I didn't have any boundaries whatsoever. I didn't know what those were. I didn't know how to love myself. And it wasn't until I actually started therapy when I was in my mid thirties that I started to ask these deeper questions. And through the years of doing my own therapy, I came to the realization that I was deeply unhappy. And part of it was because I had sacrificed myself at the altar of not disappointing Mm -hmm. people in my life and that I could no longer go that way. I was, that was no longer sustainable. So that was the hardest, most difficult decision I've ever made, which was realizing that that marriage was not going to be one that was going to be one that was sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that in order for me to love myself fully and actually step into the potential relationship that I deserved and to also love myself fully and deeply, which I hadn't been doing, mm -hmm. I had to make a change. So that was the first like big change in my life when I realized that that path was toxic and unhealthy and not ever going to be what I needed it to be for me to fully be happy, which was obviously one of the most difficult decisions forever I've ever had to, to make. The other decisions, mostly around career, have been kind of gut dis gut feelings where you, um, and honestly, because I had had that experience in my marriage, when I had, when I started feeling those similar triggering feelings in a work environment where a boss would talk to me condescendingly or um, a coworker would like yell at me and I would think, what? <laughs> um, you know, it just, I started to see these same toxic traits. I started to feel inside that 
that was not honoring to me. And it just, it was really my body that spoke and said, this isn't okay. Mm. And if you really tune in and listen to that inner wisdom, it can guide you and it will guide you. And it was the subtlety of this doesn't feel right. And um, so in each of those instances where I took a career move or even doing a few years ago, starting my own business, which terrified me to no end, because uh, you were all in college and I'm starting over and mm-hmm. there's no safety net and it's just me. I trusted that the universe would catch me. Mm-hmm. I trusted that if this was really moving toward my highest good, the universe would catch me and that the universe rewards the brave and mm-hmm. that I had to leap and trust and surrender the expectations of what it should look like and just believe that whatever is supposed to un fold into my life for my greatest good would come to me. And then when I started Sylvia Soul, that was a, that was during COVID and it was I saw this incredible need like we spoke about mental health was just it was crisis still is um and we're seeing the results of that and so that really was just an expansion of what I already do as a mental health provider and a therapist was to just serve more people, Mm -hmm. to give more people tools and resources to just honor themselves and feel better and learn the connection between mind, body and health and um, mental health and, and, and physical health. And I did that by first doing it with me. And I saw the impact and I just feel like it's now my greatest mission in the world to teach other people how to do that too. But to sort of answer your question in a, a snippet, it's, it's a gut feeling mm. and it's, it's a, it's a knowing it's a, something just doesn't feel right. And, and part of what I teach is when, when I teach people to do deep breathing, if it feels like there's resistance somewhere in your body, when you're doing a deep breath, listen to that because that resistance means something. And when you're doing an activity that's really in your complete alignment with body, mind, and soul, it's going to feel easy. It's going to feel light. It's going to feel loving. It's going to feel so giving to you. It's going to leave you feel feeling more of than less than. Mm. So listen to that. When you get in those moments where you feel like it's filling you up and you feel bigger than how you started the project, you're where you need to be. All right, honey, thank you for having a garden chat with me. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Come anytime. Oh, yeah. Okay.